Welcome to Hancock Talks, your source for insights about life insurance trends and opportunities with a focus on tactics that can help drive your sales. This podcast is for financial professional use only. It is not intended for use with the public. This material is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide advice. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of John Hancock. Please listen to the important disclosures at the end of this podcast. Now, let's get started with John Hancock's Vice President of Sales Enablement and your host, Karen Egan. Hello, welcome to Hancock Talks, and thanks for being with us today. Today, we're joined by Kevin Blanton, an associate counsel in our advanced markets group who's been with John Hancock for more than 20 years. Prior to that, Kevin spent more than a decade in private practice in estate and tax planning in the Boston area. Welcome back to Hancock Talks, Kevin. Thanks, Karen. It's great to be here. So the midterm elections, they're behind us. There's still some uncertainty with that. But for wealthy (laughs) clients, you know, they're busy at work still. You know, it's the end of the year. So they've got legal and tax professionals assisting them with both their wealth transfer strategies and year-end income tax planning. So in the wealth transfer area, what strategies do you see them focusing on right now? Well, wealthier clients are taking steps now to use uh, existing gifting limits, obviously beyond the annual exclusion, gift tax exclusion. Inflation indexed uh, basic exclusion amounts currently in 2022 are 12060000 per individual or married couples, uh, 24120000 in 2022. It's important to recognize the silver lining of inflation, if you want to call it that. The newly adjusted numbers for 2023 reflect some of the largest inflation adjustments in transfer tax exclusions in U.S. history. Hope you're sitting down. Uh, the individual basic exclusion amount for 2023 is going to be That's an increase in $860,000 per taxpayer in a single day on January 1st. That's incredible. Yeah. What a one-year adjustment. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a huge opportunity for clients today and more to expect on January 1st. Now, if clients don't use these exemptions before the 2026 sunset, or earlier, if Congress changes that, they could lose the ability to do so. As as we know, the uh, under current law, the base amount from which these inflation adjusted numbers come from is going to drop from ten million to five million at the end of 2025, first day of 2026, unless changed earlier. And since 2019, we've had assurance that uh, gifts made before the sunset will not be called back into the estate after sunset. So those clients who have a taxable estate uh, federally and usually uh, state level as well, if they are taxable at the federal level, they can benefit from uh, current high estate gift and GST exemptions. And obviously, they have a huge incentive to, uh, to act now because of the upcoming sunset which may come sooner than the law says. Some planners are suggesting that at least one spouse use up his or her entire basic exclusion amount to fully utilize it and not uh, not leave it on the table after that happens. So what about the clients who aren't even willing to do that, right? They're just not willing to even use the exemption for one spouse. 
and they're sitting there kind of wanting to wait and see how the elections settle and whether Congress will lower this, you know, basic exclusion amount, what actions should they consider taking? Right, right. Clients who aren't willing to make large gifts. Uh, yeah, we see a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> At the time of this recording, uh, the midterm elections have been held, but the vote counting continues. Uh, it, it looks certain at this point that the Democrats are going to retain control of the Senate and Republicans will control the House, but but that's not over yet. Uh, that that uh, vote counting goes on. But suffice it to say that whatever happens, flexible planning is good planning. So taxpayers should be prepared with plans that can accommodate a wide range of changes in the laws, both short-term and long-term. Wealthy clients are having irrevocable trusts drafted now so that they can quickly gift to those trusts if it appears that a change in the law is imminent. You know, of course, this is usually true at the end of a year when a lot of taxpayers are doing tax planning, but estate planning attorneys uh, serving wealthier clients are very busy now. Uh, it could be a difficult time to uh, schedule time with them. If the law changes, however, clients need to be able to act quickly. What some of our wealthier clients are, are doing right now also if they're reluctant to make a large gift, they'll enter into what we call a wait-and-see loan. I think that's a fairly widely used term. And that, that involves making loans to irrevocable trusts so that depending on the election results or depending on any circumstance, the trust can either repay the note in full or the grantor can make a gift to the trust by tearing the note in half and forgiving all or a portion of the loan. That's, that's if you're looking at uh, transferring cash. A similar strategy for the grantor is to sell hard assets, perhaps income-producing assets, to a grantor trust, an intentionally defective trust. Like the wait-and-see loan, the trust can either repay the loan in full with cash or uh, assets in kind, or the grantor can forgive all or part of the note. And these strategies can help the uh, grantor lock in low applicable federal rates right now and shift the growth outside of the client's taxable estate for estate tax purposes. We're seeing what the AFRs, like most interest rates, are going up at a rather alarming rate. But while the rate may be high, the, uh, the rate of increase may be high, the rates that the interest rate themselves are still relatively low compared to the 20-year average or, or even longer averages. So that's, it's, it's good to lock those rates in now before they go up even more. And as we've said, setting the structure up now puts the client in a position of being able to act very quickly if uh, gift and estate tax exemptions are reduced or look like they're going to be. Likewise, the use of spousal lifetime access trusts can allow clients to make large transfers to trusts secure in the knowledge that uh, the trustee has the discretion to make distributions to the grantor's spouse is a beneficiary of the trust if the need arises, the need for which the trust provision uh, allow them to make distributions. And of course, life insurance is very often used inside these types of irrevocable trust plans. Right. So do the planning now, right? Get your documents in order now right? so that when you're ready to make those gifts, sell those assets, move those assets, you can do that because your documentation is in place. Right. And if you're prepared to do it now, go ahead and do it. But at least at least have the trust in place. Right. Well, let's talk about kind of what happened in 2022 that may have changed the landscape for planning for clients. 
in your view, what did you see as the most significant changes that were brought about either from a tax law perspective or just in the courts? Well, it has been uh, an interesting year, uh, <laughs> latest in a line of interesting years. <laughs> of course, the topic on everyone's lips uh, lately, those topics have been inflation and the interest rate increases led by the Federal Reserve to try and control that inflation and engineer a so-called soft economic landing. Unfortunately, those issues can't be solved by legislation or the courts, uh, although they do affect our clients' planning quite a bit. Uh, for clients who are doing planning, uh, life insurance planning in trusts, and they're planning to finance insurance premiums inside those trusts, we've been talking a lot lately about, to use the economic term, the increased comparative advantage of economic benefit split dollar as compared to private finance or commercial premium finance arrangements because the cost of money in an economic benefit split dollar hasn't changed while the interest rate cost of money in the loan arrangements have. That allows them to do that planning at a more predictable cost uh, and avoid the interest rate risk. Other changes, uh, well, speaking of split dollar, this year saw the U.S. tax court case of the state of Marion Levine versus Commissioner, uh, the opinion of which was released by the court uh, back at the end of February in 2022. That case resulted in a virtual sweeping win for the taxpayers who had entered into an intergenerational split dollar arrangement. Those types of arrangements, for those who may not be familiar with the term, involve, as they did in the Levine case, Generation one, and be thinking parent, lending money to a trust created by generation two, adult children of parent, for the benefit of generation three, grandchildren primarily uh, and beyond. Complete and full discussion of that case is uh, very clearly beyond the scope of our time and topic here, but it has been dominating talk in, uh, in our world, tax planning world, since it came out. If you want to read more about that, you can find a, a fuller report on that case and some of its most significant developments in our John Hancock Advanced Markets blog, which was intuitively entitled Intergenerational Split Dollar After Levine v. Commissioner. Uh, that was came out on March 22nd of uh, 2022. But with respect to that case, uh, it's generally considered that the Levine case avoided most of the mistakes that earlier cases lost on. Uh, Cases like the the Cahill case, Powell, Morissette. Morissette was uh, not not too bad, but uh, the Cahill and Powell cases just had horrific fact patterns. The Levine case has given planners a lot of new confidence to uh, consider this type of planning where it's appropriate for the client's goals and needs because it, it demonstrated both facts and planning that the tax court was very receptive to and uh, and showed how that we can get this done. As for tax law changes, in the current legislative environment, it's almost impossible for either party to get anything passed. And uh, what I mean by that is a result of two things primarily. First, an almost even balance of power between the parties in, in each of the legislative houses. And second, a general feeling among legislators that they should vote against anything and everything that's supported by the other party. As Henry David Thoreau said in Civil Disobedience, uh, I think it was something along the line of that government governs best, which governs the least. <laughs> if you agree with Mr. Thoreau on that point, then you're going to love this environment because not much is getting done. All right. 
we've done this before. It was a few years back. And I asked you this question to look into your crystal ball after a recent election, like the one we've just had. Do you feel that it's changed the likelihood of any new tax laws getting passed in 2023? Oh, dear. Yeah, You know, it's funny. We addressed this exact question after the general election in 2020. Right. Before all that happened after that election, and uh, perhaps funny isn't the word I want to use, but at at that time, you asked me exactly that same question, and uh, I think my answer to that question was something along the line of, well, that depends in large part on which party controls the Senate after the Georgia runoff elections. <laughs> so, and today, the answer almost turned out to be exactly the same. Uh, just in the last couple of days, as of the time that we're doing this recording, the Democrats locked in control of the Senate. But once again, there's going to be a runoff election in Georgia right. on December 6th of, of 2022 that will determine the final numbers and the strength of the Democratic control of the U.S. Senate. In the end, though, no matter what the outcome of that runoff election or the rest of the uh, the House elections that are still being counted, the votes still being counted, in real terms, we're going to have very much the same as we had before the midterm elections. And that being an almost even split of power between two parties that don't seem to like each other very much, let's be honest. Uh, in, in the Senate, neither party will have the 60-40 supermajority that's necessary to override a filibuster, which the, major- the filibuster is something because of that lack of a supermajority, a minority party can use to kill any bill in the Senate, except a budget reconciliation Act, which uh, can't be filibustered, but Budget Reconciliation Acts uh, face the Bird Rule, which says it can kill, among other things, proposals that will raise the deficit after 10 years, at, uh, at the end of 10 years maximum. Now, tax increases generally don't increase the deficit, but a slim majority by the Democrats would mean that they could only pass a Budget Reconciliation Act if absolutely nobody breaks ranks. So in short, once again, that means that the Democrat control of the Senate may mean that there's it's slightly more likely that we'll see tax increases. But the Democrats' slight majority in the Senate means that they can't afford even slight defections in order to pass even a simple majority on a Budget Reconciliation Act. With all of this uncertainty that still remains in front of us, narrow down for us a few things that clients should consider doing just to be prepared for whatever comes down the pike. Right, right, right. Well, uncertainty, tax uncertainty is uh, is something that we often find ourselves in. And That's true today and will be true into the future as well, meaning that flexibility is the most valuable thing in planning. The ability to design our plans today so that we can go right or go left, depending on what's necessary in the future, because we don't know what's going to happen. A number of things that uh, we can do, some of which we've talked about already, outright gifting right now, as a matter of fact, is a valuable tool. Standby trust, as as we talked about, having that trust ready, even if the taxpayer holds on to the hard assets, but has the trust in place so that they can very quickly get assets or cash into those trusts when they see something coming down the pike. 
We talked about the wait and see loans where you can make a loan either of cash or assets in, in essence by selling those assets to a trust, but retaining a receivable in the form of that note to be able to pull value back out or tear it in half and turn it into a gift on a moment's notice. And of course, spousal lifetime access trusts also afford taxpayers the ability to make transfers, but retain indirect uh, access at the discretion of the trustee. Well, thanks again, Kevin, for joining us. It's always wonderful to have you on, especially at the end of the year, as we wrap things up, bring things somewhat to a conclusion. So really enjoyed having you today. Thanks for having me, Karen. Always a pleasure. And we appreciate you joining us for this episode of Hancock Talks. For more resources on today's topic, as well as access to more information about how to grow your insurance practice, visit jhsaleshub.com. And don't forget to download and subscribe to the show to get new episodes as they become available. Thanks for listening. This podcast was recorded on November 16th, 2022. This information is for educational purposes only and is not intended to be a recommendation of any particular product or as providing advice. Investors should consult with their own independent professionals regarding his or her own individual circumstances before making any decisions. These opinions are subject to change and there is no guarantee that any forecast made will come to pass. Trust should be drafted by an attorney familiar with such matters in order to take into account income and estate tax laws, including the generation skipping tax. Failure to do so could result in adverse tax treatment of trust proceeds. There can be costs associated with drafting a trust. Comments on taxation are based on John Hancock's understanding of current tax law, which is subject to change. Life insurance products are issued by John Hancock Life Insurance Company USA, Boston Mass, 02116, not licensed in New York, and John Hancock Life Insurance Company of New York, Valhalla, New York, 10595. This recorded material may have been recorded to support the promotion or marketing of the topics addressed in this recorded material. Individuals interested in the topics discussed should consult with independent professionals to examine legal, tax, accounting, or financial aspects of these topics. MLINY 1111229426-1